Right, so we're going to continue with uh, the series, Words to Live By. And um, yeah, let's just commit this time to God. Let's just pray. Father God, let all the preparation, the word that's given, the hearts that receive it, bring glory and honour to you. Help me as I speak, Lord, and I pray that whatever comes out of my mouth would be ordained by you and sent by you. And I ask that you have your way here today and heal, set free and deliver us from all those things that hold us back and hold us down and harm us. And we just ask that you would heal that in Jesus' name. Amen. So a few weeks ago, John kicked us off um, this series, Words to Live By, and he said this quote, the direction, I think it's your quote, so it's you, um, the direction of our life follows our strongest thoughts. And he told us that when we experience those negative thoughts, which can paralyze us, let's face it, um, sometimes or, or they can send us off track, can't they, as well, that when we get those thoughts, we should A, recognise it, B, capture it, and C, change it. And that, I think, was amazing, was really good, a really good takeaway from that message, and it's, it's sort of ran through every, every message since that. And God has given us all the tools that we need to be able to do that. And I think that even though this series is entitled Words to Live By, um, those, like I just said, those three things are filtered through every single message that's, you know, that's come since. And I don't know whether it was the intention at, at the start, but it seems to have gone down, it seems to have morphed into a messages of mental health and, men, and mental well-being. So I think the Holy Spirit has taken us further into these issues of our mind and our thoughts. And so Ruth, the other week, she spoke on anxiety and the promise of God's peace. And I love how she brings science into it. And um, she's very clever, much cleverer than me. She's got an MA in um, psychology. Is it psychology? Psychology. Um, And so she explained so much about how thoughts actually physically take root and express themselves in those behaviours and emotions, and it's absolutely fascinating. And she gave us some great tools to help us overcome using the Bible, and thankfulness was one of them. And I totally believe that. Psalm 100 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his his courts with praise. And being grateful to God, number one, humbles us, puts God in his rightful place on the throne above us, and takes us straight through those gates and into his presence, which is where everything is, which is where we all want to be, isn't it? So we don't we don't want to not be in his presence, because in his presence there's no sickness, there's no issues of mental health there's no um we know that god is in control don't we he is our hope and then last week we were caught between a rock and a hard place going through the red sea and john you know as john led us through those times where sometimes that all we can do is just stand firm and you know sometimes everything's closing in sometimes we feel like we're being chased down Once we've done everything we can, we stand firm. Stand firm in the hope that he's given us. 
And we've all been there, haven't we? It's like so easy when we're in those places where we're caught between that rock and a hard place to go into a little whirlpool of negative thinking. And um, it's really hard then to, to get ourselves out of it because we're trying to process things, but the negative thinking comes in. But look at what Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 8, and I'm going to look at the amplified version. And he said, Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things, centre your mind on them and implant them in your heart. I always think of, I had a little poster for the kids, they think I'm really cheesy, and it said whatever, and then it had that verse. So every time I hear that, you know, when someone goes, oh, whatever, I think of that. So whatever, believe the best, whatever is pure and wholesome. So yes, our, our best option is to transform our thinking. Renew your minds by reading the word. It's good to dwell on God's words about you, and the, because the Bible is God's love poured out for you. And I love the word. I love the Bible. It fascinates me. It's absolutely an amazing place to be for me. I love being in the Bible. And I don't know about you, but there's some certain verses that jump out and they mine, you know, and that's how I feel about them. They're life verses for me. And I think we've, we've all got them, haven't we? We've all got life verses. And if you don't, pray for one. Look at what crops up all the time. You know, it's, uh, it, it's easy to say that this is my favourite verse, but it's so much more than that, isn't it? I see it as God's reminder to me that he's speaking to me. Uh, it's like God saying, see, this is part of my plan for you. Look, you asked and I'm showing you. Again. And sometimes he needs to, well, quite often he needs to show me again and again and again. Because my negative thinking will come in and think, oh, did you really say that? And then suddenly this verse might just come back to me again and again and again. Because God is good and he wants to reassure us and be with us. He doesn't leave us. And so I've been preparing and, and this talk is going to look more on the physical healing side of things and, and the words that go along with that. And I, but I just couldn't get away from what's been going on in the mind and how we respond because that seems to be that direction that the Holy Spirit's taken us on in this journey in the last few weeks. So I don't think that he's finished talking to us about that yet. And that being said, we know that mental health and physical health are very much linked. Poor physical health, chronic pain or illness can lead to mental health issues. It can lead to depression, can't it? But also, medical science has come to understand that a great many illnesses are caused actually by stress and worry, anxieties, fears, phobias, and they all have a knock-on effect in our body. And we see it, don't we, when we're nervous and we feel a bit sick. Or, you know, people have heart attacks because they've got so much stress going on. 
we, you know, I used to always feel sick going for like job interviews and things like that. I could never eat before it. We see it in things like headaches or migraines when we're stressing out over something. Some people get things like shingles or psoriasis or similar like skin conditions when they run down or feeling depressed or nervous. We might hold ourselves differently when we're all tense and then it causes strain and tension and trap nerves and things like that. And so we can see that mental health and physical health, they are completely linked. And, you know, I think thinking in a positive way can make us feel physically better. And I think this is why the thinking positive self-help type movement is really so successful, isn't it? You know, even outside of the church, there's a, there's a big sort of positive thinking sort of movement. And because when people teach themselves to think positively and see themselves in a more positive light, when we start treating ourselves well through exercise, intentionally maintaining good relationships, eating well, you know, treating ourselves to a bit of chocolate, it has an almost instant effect. And we pr produce those feel-good hormones. And it's so amazing that you started talking about those this morning, John, because that's what I'm talking about. Serotonin, dopamine, endorphins, oxytocin, these are beneficial hormones to us. And they're not there just to make us feel happier. And it's so amazing that worship produces those hormones as well, isn't it? But they're not there to make us feel happier. But they do. But they actually benefit other parts of your body, like your heart, your blood vessel function and digestion, kidney function, sleep, pain processing, concentration and attention. I've been Googling, I'm not as clever as Ruth, I've been Googling. And um, so according to Harvard Health, too little of those hormones can lead to diseases such as Parkinson's disease. Too little serotonin, apparently, can lead to Parkinson's. So goodness knows what else happens when it's all out of sync. So medical science, you know, has done a lot to uncover all this, and it's still... In covering the uncovering the links but you know what God showed us this already it's already there written thousands of years ago in the Bible long before I could get onto Google and find out for myself what the doctors are saying because Proverbs 14:30 says a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh but envy makes the bones rot and then just listen to the new century version of that. Peace of mind means a healthy body, but jealousy will rot your bones. Proverbs 15.30. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Good news makes for good health. Proverbs 16.24. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Proverbs 17:22 A merry or joyful heart does good like medicine but a broken spirit dries the bones. It's fascinating, isn't it? It's almost as if God knew. There we go. But yeah, it's amazing how that you know the issues of the mind affect the issues of the body and vice versa. And there's loads more verses like that. There's no denying that 
exercise, eating well, helps us both physically and mentally. And yeah, let's cultivate those healthy habits. I know I need to, but there's a massive warning. I personally think that when you take God out of that situation, it can be counterproductive. Because obsession with yourself, either negative or positive, can take us right back into that sort of negative world, negative behaviours. We're hearing so much about things like narcissism, selfishness, pride, sense of entitlement. They're causing a lot of issues in society. We just need to look at the news. Everybody seems to fight about what they think is right, their truth. And, you know, and it's, it, it causes all sorts of aggression. And that all comes under one umbrella, and that's pride, isn't it? So we need God so much. He is our answer. He can help us navigate through it all. And there's nothing wrong with positive thinking and positive living at all, but keep the Lord as your anchor. Keep him at the top. Keep him as king and Lord in your life. You know, if we're over one side of the road, full of negative thoughts and issues that are taking root, causing illness, we need help, don't we? But if we go too far over to the other side, it's, you know, that too much thinking about self becomes obsessive and that makes it not good as well. We still need help. So both areas without God in the mix are very dangerous places. So the best way is God first and then everything else falls into balance. The Old Testament refers to his ways and his justice as a plumb line. And any, you know, any builders in here, they'll know is a plumb line is a weighted piece of string that shows a true vertical, that something is straight. And without that simple piece of kits, just that weighted piece of string, your buildings are going to go off like, you know, like this. And they'd lean one way or another and they're not going to be foundationally secure and they'll fall down. So we need to put God on the throne and not ourselves. So I do believe that we've been given the tools to think right and that helps our physical health. But I also believe that God heals today. Okay? And, you know, Jesus went about healing and he told his disciples, he commanded his disciples to go about healing. He commanded all his followers to heal the sick and raise the dead in his name just before he went up into the, you know, into the right hand of the Father. And, you know, I'm convinced that miracles of healing didn't stop there. They did not stop there. Sometimes it's immediate and sometimes it's not. We don't know. It's a mystery a lot of time, but we've got to go through it and trust the process. I don't believe God puts poor health on us. It's never going to be a punishment, ever. Jesus took all the punishment for all sin on the cross. So we're never being punished because we're ill. He's not punishing us when we're sick. Sickness, death and decay came into the world because of the fall, which Jesus went and dealt with on the cross. It was a consequence of that original sin, and he paid the price for us all. So it's never, ever, ever. Some people think, oh, 
you know, we must have done something. No, we haven't. It's, we have done things wrong, but God has redeemed us through Jesus. He might, he might use it sometimes if we're sick to teach us some things, but he never brings it upon us. It's not a punishment. It's not from God. He wants us to be well or else he wouldn't have gone around healing everyone. And he wants us to give glory to him. And I've spoken about my own experiences of healing lots of times. A lot of people know the stories and things like that. Um, so I won't go on about it. But um, very quickly, I was told throughout my pregnancy to terminate the pregnancy, to abort the baby. They said his bones were not going to be in proportion. I had, they measured every long bone every two weeks all the way through. They said I could have bought the baby right up until the 40-week period. I didn't have to, you know, go along with the 24 weeks time limit um, because they said he probably wouldn't survive. But God, all he said to me was trust, trust me, and that's it. And it wasn't like I didn't hear a big booming voice or anything like that. I just knew to trust him. It wasn't, a, I think, any big prophetic words or anything like that. I had lots of continual words from doctors and pediatricians and midwives. And, you know, some people around me were like, is she in denial? Some people around me were like, we're standing with you, you know? And I had to be quiet. I had to say quiet to everything and just go, what are you saying, God? And I just felt that like he was saying, trust me. I just had two words from God in all that time. And I'm not saying it was easy. And I'm not saying I didn't feel like at times my mind was, you know, playing tricks on me. Um, but I did know who I had to trust. That was a no-brainer. That was absolutely non-negotiable. The one I trusted was God. And it's a, it is a long testimony. I'm not going to go right into it, but praise God. <laughs> My son was born. He stumped all the doctors. He, was, he didn't die. He's 21. And, you know, he was all in proportion. In fact, they said all his arms and legs were going to be short. They measured them all the time. And they were, he was like all quite spindly when he, <laughs> like a big starfish when he came out. Um, and, but during that time... The, the reason I'm talking about this, while I was pregnant, I knew people were praying in, in this church, praying for my situation. And a lady, she's not in this church now, um, but she came up to me and, and she said that she'd been healed some years before of multiple cirrhosis. I've never heard of anyone being cured of that or healed of that or coming through that. And she worked in a doctor's surgery, so she, she wasn't messing about. And she was like, no, she had all the full... She sat with me, she said, I, I had all the full diagnosis, MS, that was that. All the tests or whatever, full range of tests, and she came out with this devastating diagnosis. And she was miraculously healed and still is fine. Um, well, this lady, she came to me and she said, get your pen out. And I was like, okay. She said, uh, get your pen out, write down some of these Bible verses. And very much like a doctor, she prescribed a list of verses for me to say three times a day. And um, 
it sounds like a formula and it probably was, but I don't care. You know what? Because God used that. He used that to build faith. And I read them out loud three times a day, pretty parrot fashion to begin with, if I'm honest. But after a while, they became quite deep in my heart. And, you know, I could not, it was like, okay, it's lunchtime, I need to say this. Oh, it's like tea time, I'm going to say these verses. Like, when I got up, I said the verses, you know, and I just, I just said them out loud and prayed every single day, sometimes with tears, sometimes with hardly any feeling at all, because, you know, you get through these numb periods, don't you, when you're going through stuff. And the word of God is powerful and like a two-edged sword. But it wasn't re- me reading the words that healed my son. It was God who healed my son. But my mind was being renewed by the word. My faith was being built by the word. I was putting trust into action. But it wasn't a formula. Started off as one, but God healed. Okay. And sickness and disease has no place in God's kingdom. If Jesus said when he taught his disciples to pray on earth as it is in heaven, then we need to expect heaven on earth. Do you see what I mean? So that to me, it means no sickness, no struggles. It means God's in charge. It means a lifestyle of worship. So just speaking those words, I started to understand God's will. I knew that he wanted my son to be healed. And one of those verses, it became really special to me. And I mean, they all were, but one stood out. Um, So we're going to read it. Psalm 103, verse 1 to 5. She actually gave me verse 1 to 4. But since I've had my big birthday, I've added verse 5 because now I'm officially old. So... We've got that you'll understand when we read it. Um, So this is in the New King James Version. And it's, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. So let's just keep it up there. Um, Can we go back to to verse 2 and 3, please? How many of our sins does it say, or iniquities, does it say that God forgives? All. All. How many of our diseases does it say God heals? All. All. And even though we don't always see the bigger picture, this is clearly God's heart for us. So if ever you're thinking, oh, is it God's will to heal? Yes, it's God's will for us to be well. It's his best for us. Um, You know, this is written by King David. He was a flawed man, you know, but he was forgiven. He was a man after God's own heart. That's what God said about him. He had a close relationship with God. And the verse, it begins with worship. It has the heart of thanksgiving in it, doesn't it? We're instructed to remember God's goodness, his benefits to us, and then he lists all those benefits. It goes on to say in verse 6 that the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. 
It's an amazing piece of scripture. So if you're ever in doubt what God wants for you, it's in this psalm. It's his best. He loves you. He cares for you. Peter, you know, affirms this in 1 Peter 5, 6 to 8. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. He cares about what we worry about. He needs to be higher than us in every area of our hearts. That's why it says, humble yourself. Jesus is the door. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And there's this key of faith, which is grown and nurtured by prayer and reading the word. But sometimes there's this big bolt of pride preventing us from going through. And so we need to humble ourselves under his mighty hand. And I just praise God that he sent the Holy Spirit to help us with that. Because I don't think we could do it ourselves, could we? Malachi 4 verse 2 says this, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in, his, in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. We're not just going to be healed. We've got leaping going on as well. I want to be able to leap. But we'll keep, keep one eye on that. We're going to come back to it. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God... All things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So we might be going through all sorts of worries, but I'm convinced that when we take our focus away from God, and it's so easy to do when the problems seem bigger at the time, when we take our focus away from God, who's working out all things for our good, it can affect us mentally and physically. So keep your mind fixed on him. And as John taught us last week, stand firm in the fact that he's got it covered and that he wants the best for you. Because if it's not good, it's not over. You know what? I'm aware, you know, I I lost my dad a couple of years ago. I'm aware that a lot of us have lost people to illness and sickness. And I'm sort of going away from this. But, you know, we're saying, if it's not good, it's not over. I know where my dad is. He's praising God in heaven. He's worshiping now he's happy you know i i'm i'm sad because he's not with me but he's with god if it's not good it's not the end we've got to settle in our hearts that god is good and he wants the best for us and you know there's so many verses about that but the one that springs to mind is what jesus says in matthew 7 verse 11 if you then evil, sinful by nature, this is in the amplified version, as you are, know how to give good and advantageous gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven, perfect as he is, give what is good and advantageous to those who keep on asking him? Keep on asking. And this is personified in an unnamed woman. I've got a thing about the unnamed people of the Bible an unnamed woman in the New Testament. Her story is so remarkable. It's told in three of the Gospels, and it's a very short story, but it's told in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And she's gone through so much, and we've all heard of her. She's suffered for 12 years. And the nature of her suffering causes her to feel like she's never clean. In fact, the laws, the 
physicians and the priests will have declared her publicly as unclean, publicly. Can you imagine how she must have felt? This is an instance where it's the, you know, the other way around. Her physical condition will have affected her mental condition, mental health. So let's read from Mark 5, 25 to 34. In the crowd was a woman who'd been sick for 12 years with a hemorrhage. She'd suffered much from many doctors through the years and had become poor from paying them and was no better, but in fact was worse. She had heard all about the wonderful miracles Jesus did, and that is why she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his clothes. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his clothing, I'll be healed. And sure enough, as soon as she had touched him, the bleeding stopped and she knew she was well. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, all this crowd pressing around you and you ask who touched you? But he kept on looking around to see who it was who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she'd done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, healed of your disease. Now she'd been left destitute. She was poor now because she'd spent every penny trying to pay people for help. She was declared unclean, which meant she was alone and an outcast. She was not allowed into any synagogue or into the temple to be able to worship. And she was desperate. And she was also a woman, which was, you know, not easy then. And Matthew explains that it was the tassel of his robe which she touched. And funnily enough, just as I was doing my research and everything, the word for tassel is the same word in the Bible, that they use for wings. You remember that verse? The sun of righteousness will arise with healing in its wings. But the woman, she'd lost everything. They're, they're pretty clear about that. And what's also clear is that Jesus was used to people crowding him and touching him and, you know, asking him for healing. And, um, you know, people were trying quite often to touch the tassel of his cloak. I didn't even realize it until I started researching. There's, there's other verses that say, and people came just to touch the tassels of his cloak. But in this instance, Jesus stopped. And I love this. People think that he stopped because he felt the healing power, you know, go out from him. And I think that's what got his attention. But he was in a rush. He was on his way to go and raise a little girl from the dead. And um, he, you know, he'd, he'd been asked to go and he'd, he'd immediately got up and rushed off and they bundled him away to go and help this, to, you know, to raise Jairus' daughter. And this woman interrupted 12 years of living her worst undignified nightmare. 12 years of abuse in other versions, it hinted that she'd been abused by some of the people that she'd asked to help. And she'd been robbed of her money, and she'd be lonely, and she'd almost certainly be in pain. She was an outcast. But Jesus wanted to look at her. He didn't just 
you know, people touching him. He didn't just turn and heal and go. He wanted to look at her. He did not carry on until he'd seen her. She tried to do it quietly. She tried to do it unseen. She'd got on the floor and she touched the tassel, not wanting to bother him. And then she was going to slip away. But Jesus wanted to accept her publicly. So it wasn't just about the physical healing. He wanted to restore her fully. Look what he did. Number one, he stopped and he searched her out. He wouldn't give up until she showed herself to him in front of everyone. It said the crowds were thronging him. Number two, he looked at her and then he called her daughter. In all three Gospels, they all say that he called her daughter. He didn't say, there you go, lady, you're healed, or woman, you are healed. There's something so gentle in the way he spoke to her. Daughter, there's a sense of acceptance and safety in it. In that one word, all the rejection was just swept away. He affirmed that relationship with her. She's now daughter. She was always his daughter, but he wanted everyone to know it. Number three, he said, your faith has made you well. He also affirmed to her that she'd done the right thing coming to him. He would never turn her away. She'd hit rock bottom and tried everything. Only Jesus was our answer. Sometimes we need to get to the point where only Jesus will do. Even though he's Jesus and everyone wants him, he's got time for you. Number four, he gave her peace. He said, go in peace, healed of your disease. So not only did her physical symptoms go, I believe when he said go in peace, he spoke to her mental health as well. He healed all those hurts, trust issues, bitterness, unforgiveness. Who knows what she was struggling with? But in, the, in those words, go in peace, healed of your disease. It's like he said, don't worry, you've not done anything wrong coming to me. And, you've, and you'll be well now. Everything's okay. Her self-confidence must have been at its very lowest I mean, she came to him on the floor. She could have just sat in her spot that day or stayed in her bed and not faced the crowds because, let's face it, they wouldn't have been nice to her. She was an outcast. She'd heard, but she'd heard about the wonderful miracles of Jesus and she was desperate, hoping to just get close. She got on the floor to touch the tassels on his cloak and then he turned and he called her daughter. She must have been saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, for the rest of her life. I said earlier that sometimes problems feel closer to us than God sometimes. Um, and that's because they're designed that way, aren't they? They're designed to distract us. They get all up in our face and swirling around in our heads and under our skin. But they're temporary. God never, ever leaves us. He's permanent. He's eternal. He even sings over us when we sleep. That keeps cropping up this week. I don't know about any, for anyone else. I keep hearing that verse. He sings over us when we sleep. 
What a beautiful picture of a loving father. He never leaves us. He wants us to be healed and whole, spirit, soul, and body. So one thing we can take away from the story of the woman is that even after 12 years of what must have been horrendous suffering, she didn't give up. She ran to Jesus, fell at his feet. She knew he was the answer. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying, you know, if you're ill, go to the doctor. You need to. You know, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. Doctors know what they're doing. You need the diagnosis anyway, don't you? And they'll treat you when, when needed. And who knows, God might use your doctor to bring you through it, to heal you. You can do both at the same time. It's not rocket science, is it really? You know, you can see the doctor and you can pray to God. You know, it's not a lack of faith to go and seek help as long as you know that you can trust God. Okay? The facts that the doctor gives you are great to go to God in prayer with anyway. So I don't know why some are healed and some aren't. All I do know is that God wants to see us well. And he said, keep on asking, which says to me, don't give up. So, you know, we need to do our part in our lives, don't we? You know, look after our bodies. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. We need to look after, after them. But ask God for wisdom when it comes to our health. Don't wait until you're ill. You know, when you're well, say, God, how do I stay well? Give me the wisdom. I once, asked, um, I once asked God what was causing one of my sons to have, oh, it was awful, horrendous eczema, all down his leg. It's like he looked burnt. And he was really struggling with it. And he was only a teenager at the time. And he'd been tested for some allergies and nothing had really come up. And, um, you know, I remember praying about it because he was so, he didn't want to do sports at school because he was like, didn't want people to see it when he put his shorts on and and it was really embarrassing for him and so I, I sat there and I prayed and I was like God what's causing this give me the wisdom and interrupting my thoughts you know literally in the middle of me praying about it a thought just came into my mind about milk protein I didn't have a clue what I was thinking I knew nothing about that sort of thing so I thought well you know, maybe he's giving me wisdom for something. So I just changed the type of milk that we were using and we started to use like goat's milk. And, uh, and another one called A2 milk's got a different protein in it. And within two weeks, it gone. And I mean, he'd had it all his life, this eczema. And, you know, sometimes it, it'll creep back because he'll like eat cheese and things, what have you. But as soon as... I was like, I'll listen to you, God, and I'll do that. And he gave me the wisdom. He gave me the tools to do that. And that's what I believe he did. Because without me praying and thinking in those lines where I'd not even thought before, we'd never have got to the bottom of it. So God can use doctors. He can use wisdom or an out-and-out miracle to heal us. Let's not limit him to you know a certain type of miracle of healing he's a good god but we can't tell him how to do it we can't go yeah i want it this way you know it's not he's god we've got to trust got to trust him he's always good he's a good god so can we get up
Psalm 103 again. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to declare it in a minute. But um, in fact, actually, sorry, before we do that, I want you to think about um, if there's anywhere that you might need healing because the Bible says in James 5, verse 14 to 15, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So that's, a, that's an amazing promise. But we're going to get up Psalm 103 again. And I'd like us to stand and declare together verses 1 to 5. And where it says your diseases or iniquities or whatever, declare it for yourself. Say mine. Say mine. Okay. Or for a person that you know that's not well that you're praying for, or if you need prayer or anything like that, come and, and speak to us. I think John will speak to you in a second, but let's just declare this, this promise. It's a wonderful promise. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget all his benefits. Who forgives all my diseases, who gives who redeems my life from destruction, who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles.